Yo, 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 yo. Happy Thursday evening, everybody. Welcome to episode 206 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your gracious and humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. So much is going on in the world of college and pro football, and I just could not wait till Friday to um, keep it in. So I'm going to go ahead and, and talk about the following. I'll do a brief recap of Michigan's national championship win over the Washington Huskies and what that will mean for coach Jim Harbaugh. A legend has retired in college football. Alabama head coach Nick Saban has decided to retire. I'll give you my thoughts on that. And we're totally talking about the NFL. We're going to talk about the coaching changes that occur. Two of them, of course, are pretty shocking. I think you know which ones are. I'll give you my takes on those. And then NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. I'll give you my takes, analysis, and predictions on each of the games coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. All right, now without further ado, let's get episode 206 started. I'm going to start my opening takes in college football. Since I didn't come to you on Tuesday, I'm going to just go ahead and do a brief recap of the um, college football playoff national championship game between the Michigan Wolverines and the Washington Huskies. The Michigan Wolverines prevailed 34-13 and it pretty much a dominant performance. Michigan dominated both sides of the ball. The Michigan running game ran roughshod over Washington's defense in the first quarter. And they had two running backs at the end, had over 100 yards in rushing and two touchdowns. Blake Corum had 134 yards on 21 carries and two touchdowns. Donovan Edwards, which we ain't heard from much all season, he, he came through, had 104 yards and two touchdowns on six carries. He was basically the guy that was killing him in the first quarter. J.J. McCarthy didn't have to do very much. I mean, he was only 10 of 18 for 140 yards. He had no touchdowns, no interceptions. But the Michigan defense, I believe, won the game more than anything else. Because they basically stifled this high-powered Washington defense. I mean, Michael Penix, he was under pressure quite a bit. They missed a lot of throws, had some drop passes. So that that Michigan defense, I mean, they stifled them pretty good. I mean, Michael Penix Jr. had 255 yards on 22 of 51 passing. He had one touchdown and had two interceptions. But of course, it didn't help that the running game did nothing for Washington in this one. As a total, total, they had 46 yards as a team. Basically, what the Michigan um, defense did was they made Washington a one-dimensional offense. Dylan Johnson, who was questionable with an injury, a foot injury, he did play, but he only gained 33 yards. So it, obviously, it showed that. He wasn't well, only 100%, but the Michigan defense basically just they clogged up the running game. Roma Duzzi, he had 87 yards. He had one pass, I think I believe it was in the first half, that he dropped. That probably could have turned Michigan, I mean, Washington's fortunes around. I mean, Jack Westover, 42 yards, and Jalen Pork, 37 yards. So... Kudos to the Michigan, I mean Michigan Wolverines for winning the national championship game, and of course going through an undefeated season. Of course, for Washington, I mean they're going to have one loss on their regiment on their um, record, and of course this will be the last we'll see Michael Penix Jr. in a Washington uniform, because chances are he's going to go, he's he's going to the NFL. And will probably be one of the first quarterbacks picked in the first round. Probably within the first, I'd say, 10 to 12 picks. I even see Roma Dunze and Jalen Polk 
um, Port, who of course he just announced he's going to the NFL, and I assume Roma Dunze will do so too. Those guys are going to be pretty good at wide receiver. They get on a good team. But for Michigan now, we all know the big question is going to be, what's next for Jim Harbaugh? Will Jim Harbaugh stay at Michigan or will he finally take his talents back to the NFL? Because we all know NFL teams are going to be calling Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh has declined to comment thus far on what his future is. But I can give you a couple of teams already who I believe Jim Harbaugh would would fit and would probably turn them around off the bat. Of course, the number one team out there would be the Chargers. They have everything they need for Jim Harbaugh to succeed. Almost similar to what they, he had when he first became head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, with the LA Chargers, he has he has Justin Herbert as a quarterback, and he know he would be, he would do he would excel with Jim Harbaugh as head coach. They got the talent. I mean, Austin Aguilar. I mean, good running back, and he can catch out of the backfield. And of course, you have um, he has good two good receivers. In there, Keenan Allen, excellent receiver. And of course, you got Mike Williams, if he can stay healthy. And of course, they have a tight end in Jerome Everett. And of course, they have a defense. The Chargers, they have so much talent on this defensive front. Jim Harbaugh could do a lot with this team. This team would be an instant um, um, threat to the Kansas City Chiefs. Another name that would probably be, would be, should be on the, um, as one of Harbaugh's picks would be the Bears. Now, I'll address most of this uh, later in the NFL segment, but the Bears got rid of most of their offensive um, staff, but they kept uh, Matt Flores as their head coach. Come on, Really? I bet you if Jim Harbaugh said he wanted the Bears job, they'd send, they'd send Matt Flores packing in a minute. And that's where they should be. Imagine keeping Justin, Justin Fields and having Jim Harbaugh as their head coach. Imagine the good Jim Harbaugh would do for Justin Fields. And I, I believe Jim Harbaugh would put an offensive line to help Justin Fields because we all know one of the reasons why Jim Harbaugh was able to win this national championship and had Michigan good for years is Jim Harbaugh understands games are won in the trenches and they're won up front with both offensive lines and defensive lines. So I believe if the Bears were smart and Jim Harbaugh, you could get Jim Harbaugh, you would sit, you would go ahead and tell Matt Flores, yeah, you got to go. And that'd be a good fit. And of course, the third fit, which of course it would take it would have it would take the owner, you know, wisening up, is in Carolina. He would have to he would have to um give up some of his um executive duties and let Jim Harbaugh coach. Maybe and give it get a GM the match with Jim Harbaugh and turn that franchise around because right now that franchise is getting a toilet and they're going to waste Bryce Young's career or at least his rookie season and I believe if you can get Jim Harbaugh in there he could turn that, that situation around of course it may take Jim Harbaugh a couple of years because the roster is not very good outside of a few players so It's going to be interesting to see over the next, I'd say, a couple of weeks to a month to see if Jim Harbaugh decides he's just going to stay in college or is he going to go ahead and um, take care care of his unfinished business and get in the NFL and see if he can win a Super Bowl there. All right, so moving on now, the biggest news of college football is the retirement 
of legendary Alabama head coach Nick Saban. Nick Saban announced a day or two ago that he was retiring from Alabama. Of course, we all know Nick Saban is the GOAT coach of college football. Nick Saban was there 17 seasons. Of course, 28 seasons total as a college football head coach. During his 17 years, Nick Saban was 206 and 29. That's right. In 17 years, he only had 29 losses. Here's the thing. He also had 44 NFL players go in the first round. So he had more players go in the, in, the, in the first round than he had losses. That's impressive. Of course, Nick Saban also coached at LSU I mean, and Michigan State. He was 34 and 24 and won at those two stops, respectively. Nick Saban has seven national championships, six with Alabama, one with LSU. He has 11 SEC championships. And for a brief time, he was the Miami Dolphins head coach. He only lasted two seasons. He was 15 of 17. And Alabama was a place everybody wanted to come to. Not because of Nick Saban only, but because they know Nick Saban, who used to be an NFL head coach, assistant and head coach, coached NFL defenses. And players wanted to, who wanted to go to the NFL know they had, a, they had a great shot of making it to the pros if they went to Alabama. Of course, some would argue that because of the NIL, which of course players can get paid now for their um, name, image, and likeness, it's, it's not easy to keep players in the same school for a period of time. Because you have the transfer portal. And of course, players, after maybe a year or two, or even three, may decide, you know, go to another school that's going to pay them the most money. Now, whether that played a decision or not, yeah, that's that's a possibility it did. But still... No, and I also think, in my, and this is my personal view, maybe the time has come for Nick Saban to um, step down. I know he hasn't won a national championship in a couple of years, and that's okay. But Nick Saban had nothing to prove. Nick Saban already built an Alabama dynasty that's probably going to be hard to top. Maybe even take, I don't know, maybe 30, 40, 50 years before a dynasty like that is built again. But now, what's going to be interesting to see is who's going to um, replace Nick Saban as head coach of Alabama? Nick Saban is definitely going to be a hard act to follow. And the question I think I'm going to have whoever the next coach is going to be, how patient is, the, is Alabama going to be with the next head coach? As I stated earlier, Nick Saban is going to be a tough act to follow. And how, and how, how many years is that next head coach going to get? And what is going to be the criteria? Are they going to still have to compete for SEC championships? The college football playoff? Win a national championship within a certain period of time that's going to be my question let's just say Alabama struggles for the first two to three years after Nick Saban is that coach jobs going to be on the line is he going to be fired those are questions I think whoever the next head coach is is going to have to ask so here are some of the potential names one of course is Lane Kiffin who's currently the head coach of Ole Miss. Of course, he's, he was one of um, former Nick Saban assistants. Nick's, after he had some rough, a rough um, patch at coaching, Nick Saban brought him in and revitalized his um, coaching career. Now, I don't see Nick Sa- um, Lane Kiffin leaving Ole Miss, but hey, 
You never know. If the money talks, you might see him there. Another name that's been put out there is um, Dabble Sweeney, head coach of Clemson. I mean, look, Dabble Sweeney has built his own um, program there at Clemson and his own legacy. So even if he were to leave, nothing will be, I mean, nothing bad will be said about um, Dabble. Dabble, of course, he, he used to play football for Alabama in his youth, and he's a native of Alabama. So it'd be interesting to see, but as you, as, as you know, Nick, uh, Dabble Sweeney has not been a fan of the NIL as well. But I think this would be a good, if, if this were to happen, this would be a good fit, only the fact that Dabble Sweeney has two national championships. So I think he has a lot, he will have a lot more leeway than any other coach that they, that they hire. So if Dabble Sweeney, if this is his destination, I think he would be a good choice and probably the best choice. And I think one that I think Alabama fans would be more patient with than maybe Elaine Kiffin. Another name that's been popping up is Dan Lanning, who um, the Oregon head coach. But of course, Dan Lanning said he's staying at Oregon. But that would that would be interesting. The difference with um with him and probably even um, Dabble Sweeney and Lane Kiffin is he is a much younger head coach. I mean, he's 37 years old. And we all know, as you see with the NFL, there's a youth movement. And they're looking for the next hot young assistant. Don't think that Alabama ain't, wouldn't take Dan Lanning, Lanning in, in consideration knowing he's 37 years old. But the only way that would happen is that Alabama would have to pay for a massive buyout. Now, chances are this one's probably not going to happen, but don't be surprised. Another name that's been floating around there is Washington head coach, Kalen DeBoer. Now, Kalen DeBoer just got to a national championship so he knows what it takes to get there. It'd be kind of interesting to put make Alabama a high-scoring offensive um, juggernaut, which I think would be the case if um, he if, if they were able to pry him away. I don't I don't think I see this one happen. This one I don't think is gonna happen. But it, it'll be interesting. Another name that's popped up is Steve Sarkeesian, another Nick Saban assistant. And of course, he's he's um, brought Texas back from the fold. So don't think that, you know, there's a possibility they could um, have him there. But he's, he's slowly establishing himself there at Texas. And of course, he's got, he's got himself a quarterback in Quentin Irez. So I just don't think this is going to happen with um, Steve Gartesian. Because look, a lot of these guys, they don't want to be in Nick Saban's shadow. They want to establish their own. And like I said, te- um, start, Steve Sarkeesian is starting to establish his, his footing in there at Texas. And I think Lane Kiffin's trying to do the same thing at Ole Miss. And Dan Lan- um, Lanning at, um, or- at Oregon. As I say, with Dabble, he's already established himself at Clemson. Dabble has nothing more to prove at Clemson. So if they pry him away, I mean, I think that he would be the best fit. But in closing, I just want to say to Nick Saban, thank you for all the, for the great 17 years as head coach of Alabama. He gave us a lot of good games. Gave, gave us a lot of, seen a lot of great players come through Alabama and into the NFL. You are definitely a legend. You are definitely the GOAT of college football coaches. So I'm going to say thank you to Nick Saban and good luck the rest of the way. Well, that's it for the NFL segment. I mean, for the college football segment. Now let's move on to the NFL. Before I get to Super Wild Card Weekend, 
Let's address the head coaching carousel. There have been a lot of changes that recently happened in the past couple of days in the NFL as far as coaching. You, of course, as usual, you do have your, um, your coaches getting fired. So I'm going to start with the ones that recently got fired. Let's start with Atlanta. Arthur Smith, after three seasons, was fired as the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Of course, this is not a surprise. I mean, in three years, they've, 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 he's had a losing record. He's 21 and 30. No playoff appearances. The quarterbacks there have not developed under um, Arthur Smith. He's basically wasted his best t- um, his best players. I mean, Bijan Robinson, who's had a good um, had a, had a decent year this year, and the fact that he wasted tight end Kyle Pitts. I mean, this guy is, is a tight end of the future, but he was not he's not been used properly. So, I think Arthur Blank saw that. Nah, this ain't working out. It's time to go. So, no surprise here. It's going to be interesting to see who's going to take the Atlanta Falcons job. And I think, in my personal view, if if Arthur Blank wants to get um, Atlanta back on track, I think he needs to first hire a good, a good defensive um, coach. Build the defense. Get a good offensive coordinator to help um, build... And I mean, a strong offense. But here's another thing I would suggest. Trade for Justin Fields. And I mean, if I'm, if I'm a head coach wanting to take that land job, I would advocate for Arthur Blank to trade for Justin Fields. Bring that kid back home to Georgia. And, and let him use his talents the right way. Because the Bears are wasting him there. I've said that. I'll get more to that in a minute. Now, the next coach that got fired. Now, this one came out of left field. Mike Grable of the um, Tennessee Titans. He's been there for six years. Out of the six years, he's had four winning seasons. He's had playoff appearances in one AFC championship game. Now, I get in the last two years, he's not been very good. 6 and 18. But overall, he's been he's gotten them into the playoffs. He's 2 and 3 record in the play in the postseason. And he's been coach of the year one year. I think this was like 2 years ago actually. But I thought the writing was on the wall personally when there's talk that hey, they were going to trade they're trying to trade Derrick Henry before Mid before the trade deadline, and the fact that there's talk that they're going to be moving on from Derrick Henry. That to me was a sign, and I believe also the trading of AJ Brown because they didn't want to pay him. I think the sign those were the signs of the beginning of the end for Mike Grable. Now, now Mike Grable, chances are he's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna have a head coaching job probably by next week. I can't, I, can't, I can't see him not being a head coach. Now, where is he going to be? My guess is that there's a good chance he's going to be the New England head coach because he has ties, because he used to play for the New England Patriots. He won Super Bowls there. And he's got ties to um, Belichick and um, Robert Kraft. I think it's between him and Gerard Mayo. I'll talk more about Belichick in a minute. Another one that's a sh- that, that came out of left field was Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is out as head coach of the Seattle Seahawks after 14 seasons. But the Seahawks are trying to keep him on as an advisor. Pete Carroll in his 14 seasons was 137 and 89 in one tie. His overall record was 170, 120 and one tie. Of course, he has... Two Super Bowl appearances and has won one. Should have won two. 
He's had t- he's got 10 playoff wins. And of course, during his tenure in in Seattle, they have 5 NFC championship games. But over the last two seasons, they've been 25 and 26 with one playoff appearance, which of course they've been out, which they were outed of, courtesy of my San Francisco 49ers. So now Pete Carroll who there was there was talk whether he was he wanted to come back and coach. He did want to come back and coach, but I guess the Seattle Seahawks had other plans. And now the big one. Arguably the GOAT of NFL coaches, Bill Belichick is now, is now out as head coach of the New England Patriots. Now, of course, there was talk about this throughout the whole season. And I personally didn't think Robert Kraft was going to pull a trigger on this one. But after um, some conversations, they decided to quote, unquote, mutually part ways. Bill Belichick has been, has, has been a staple of head coaches in the NFL. And the New England Patriots, for 20 plus years, has been the staple of, of NFL teams. Bill Belichick in 24 seasons has nine Super Bowl appearances, six Super Bowl titles, a regular season record of 166 and 20, 120, 30 and 12 in the playoffs. Bill Belichick. Now, whether they keep him on as a um, assistant or not, that's gonna be that's. I mean, as an advisor, that is, that's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting. I didn't think that uh, Robert Kraft would go this route because I figure, well, yeah, he is. A, he's had a few couple of bad seasons the last two years post Tom Brady, but I thought he could at least give him some time to try to um, ride the ship. Maybe even take away his um, general manager duties and just let him coach. Because I think if Belichick just concentrate on being head coach, he'll be just fine. But it's instead that Bill Belichick is not done coaching. Where are some of the places I think Bill Belichick will land? I'll give you. I'll, I'll give you. A, I'll give you a couple. The Chargers would probably be the first one. Imagine he, him turning that. I mean, he has every. He would have everything he need to turn that that um team around. Another place I think he could go. I think the Bears' job would be good for him too. I mean, think about it. I mean, he built he built a defense there, no question about it. And I think he would put he would make it to where Justin Fields would be in position to succeed. Let me, let me just add Pete Carroll to that. I think the Chargers would be one place for him to go. For Pete Carroll. I think, um, you know, he would definitely turn that um, organization around. I even think the Falcons, I think, they would even benefit from a Pete Carroll, you know, being their head coach. He would bring a lot of, you know, rah, 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 things like that, you know, to the um, Carolina... To the, to the um, Atlanta Falcons. So look, I, I, I'm sure, but here, but to end, to end this segment, I think the moral of, of, of the um, head coaching changes points to one thing. There is a youth movement of head coaches going on in the NFL right now. And owners are not looking for the old school um, head coaching trees any longer. They're looking for that young, hot assistant. They're looking for guys in their mid to late 30s at minimum. They're looking for Sean Mc, the, the next Sean McVay, the next Kyle Shanahan. 
They're looking for those types of, of guys to coach their teams. Because they want play, they want they want coaches that are more that are relatable to the players. They want player coaches. And what Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, even Mike McDaniel in in Miami and Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. What they're looking for are, are, are young guys who can relate. Guys that are, you know, just as much part of the team and part of the player, uh, players' lives as anybody. So that, that's, that, I think that's what the moral of, the, of, of, of all these coaching changes are. They're looking for young, hot assistants. Guy, guys that I think can, you know, if successful, will be there seven, ten or more years. And then they'll be, I don't know, maybe around in their 40s, maybe 50s. When, they, when it's time for them to hang it up. So it's going to be interesting to see these openings that are, that, that are occurring right now, you know, with Seattle, New England, Tennessee, Atlanta, Carolina, the LA Chargers. It's going to be interesting to see who fills those types of positions. As we know, all these teams are asking for certain assistants permission to interview them for their head coaching gig. So we're going to see how this NFL hiring cycle plays out. Now let's go on to the games. The NFL playoffs start on Saturday, January 13th. And of course, this is dubbed Super Wildcard Weekend. There are going to be five games. Actually, my mistake, there's going to be six games. Let's start off with the first one. The Cleveland Browns versus the Houston Texans. Of course, the Texans won the division after um, beating the Colts. And then, of course, Jacksonville crumbling. The Cleveland Browns, who've gone through four quarterbacks this year, have established themselves with their defense. And of course, Joe Flacco, who was on the couch a few, a few weeks ago, came in there and kept the ship riding after Deshaun Watson and all the other quarterbacks went down. And of course, this is the first playoff um, game in, a lo- in, in quite some time for the Texans. Kudos to my guy, D'Amico Ryans. And the guy who I believe is the rookie of the year, CJ Stroud. But this is not gonna be easy, this is not gonna be easy for CJ Stroud going into his first playoff game. He's playing he's playing a top five, even maybe even argue a top three defense in the Cleveland Browns. So this is gonna be up this offensive line to make sure they know where. Miles Garrett is at all times. And of course, that's going to include, of course, they're going to have a need a balance attack versus the Cleveland Browns. The running game has to be um, solid. And of course, the wide receivers have to help out CJ Stroud. Of course, big news for Browns is um, Denzel Ward, their cornerback, he injured his knee and there's a good chance his status for the game is in question. Now for the Texans' defense, they're going to have to do something to slow down Flacco. They need to show Flacco that, look, you, um, they need to, they need to let Flacco know you deserve to sit back on that, on, on that couch watching us. And we're going we're gonna to do everything we can to send you back there. And for Joe Flacco, 
Like I said, a running game, you know, Ford and Mari Cooper, they're going to have to come through for him. But just remember, Joe Joe Flacco is battle-tested. Joe Flacco is a Super Bowl-winning quarterback and a Super Bowl MVP. I hate to say that because against my 49ers that he did that with, but I got to give credit where credit is due. So D'Amico Ryans is going to have to come up with a, a, an excellent defensive scheme in order to um, get Flacco off his spot. This game could go either way. I think this game is going to come down to which team makes the less mistakes. I mean, as much as I like, like C.J. Stroud and I like my guy D'Amico Ryans in Houston, I think the Cleveland Browns defense, I think, is gonna is gonna be the reason that they pull off this. So I think this, this, is gonna, this is gonna be a growing pains game for Houston. I like for them to make some mistakes. I like for CJ Stroud to have a rough outing. So I think the Cleveland Browns are gonna win this game. I don't think don't look for no high scoring game though. I'm gonna say probably Cleveland. 20 Houston 16 now let's move on to the next one and that's the Chiefs versus the Miami Dolphins of course the story of this game is the weather this this is supposed to be the coldest playoff game in NFL history they're looking at below freezing and wind chills below freezing in Kansas City. Now, this could be a problem for a, a, a team like the Miami Dolphins, which is a quick strike offense. But it's not impossible for them to pull off this upset. This year, both of these teams, the Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs, have losing records versus teams over 500. The Dolphins are 1 in 5, the Chiefs are 1 in 4. Of course, these two teams played earlier this this season in Germany and the and the Chiefs went up 21 to nothing. The Dolphins rallied but was not able to come through at the end. And the bad news for the Dolphins is they got a lot of injuries on defense. And the last thing you need against, against Patrick Mahomes is not have your full defensive um, team intact. So because this is going to be a cold game, I don't expect, you know, the uh, high-scoring game. But right now, I don't think the Dolphins, they're limping into this season, into this playoffs. And I believe they're going to be limping home. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs because they're at home and Patrick Mahomes, you know, is almost automatic at home. I'm going to go with the Chiefs to win this game 23 to 17. Now let's move on to the Sunday games. Pittsburgh versus Buffalo. Of course, Pittsburgh... Because of Jacksonville's failing, you know, won their game and got into the playoffs. Buffalo won the division with their with their um see, I mean, with their last game versus the Dolphins, and now they're hosting this playoff game. The Buffalo Bills have been on a roll. The Buffalo Bills have won five straight games. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers, ever since they changed quarterbacks, they've been on a roll as well. That's right. Pittsburgh, I think, has won their last two in a row. Actually, they've won their last three in a row. But the bad news for the um, Steelers is T.J. Watt, who injured himself in the last game, is not going to be playing with an MC3, I mean, a grade three MCL spring. But they do get Mega Fitzpatrick back. So that'll help give a boost to their defense. 
only because they don't have TJ Watt. I don't see I don't see the Steelers defense slowing down Josh Allen and company. I think this game will be close, but I don't think there's gonna be a lot. I don't think the, the points are gonna be are gonna be hard to come by. I think the defenses will make plays early, but I think Josh Allen and company will do just enough to propel to, to propel them to victory. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Buffalo to win this game 23-20. Now let's move on to Green Bay versus Dallas. Now Green Bay, who's been struggling, they've been up and down this season. They finally got it to they got it together and was able to squeak into the playoffs. Now the Dallas Cowboys, of course. We all know all the attention is going to be on them because we all know for them, it's playoffs or bust. Super Bowl or bust, I'm sorry. They're already in the playoffs. Jordan Love and company weathered storms throughout the, year, throughout the season. And of course, they ended the season with three straight wins. And of course, he will be making his debut versus a vet, veteran Dallas Cowboy defense. For him to pull off this upset, he's going to have to have the game of his life. And the defense are going to have to be able to slow down Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb and company. Now what the cutbackers need to do is make Dak and company a one-dimensional team. And Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys need to, st- to um, establish Tony Pollard in the running game. Bring some balance. Of course, this is also a game that Mike McCarthy's going to want. Remember, Mike McCarthy spent nine years as the um, head coach of the Green Bay Packers and won a Super Bowl there. So he's going to be—he's—you know—he's going to want to beat his former team. This game is going to come down to plays. The Packers must is going to ha- they're going to have to make big plays against this Dallas defense. But I believe Dallas is actually the better team in this one. Even though Dallas, but of course this is mostly on the Aaron Rodgers as the Green Bay Packers has owned Dallas. But I think that changes here. I think Dallas wins this game. I think Green Bay hangs for a while, but I think in the end, Dallas Dallas on offense will make enough plays, and I think defensively, they're going to force Jordan Love into a lot of, into some mistakes. So I'm going to go with Dallas to win this game. I'm going to say 27 to 17. And now, probably, I believe, the best game of the wild card. The Los Angeles Rams versus the Detroit Lions. Now, there's so much storylines to this game. I mean, let's start off with the quarterbacks. As everybody knows, Matthew Stafford was drafted by the Detroit Lions, spent 12 years there. A couple of years ago, he was traded to the the LA Rams and won a Super Bowl in his first season. Jarrett Goff was drafted by the... Los Angeles Rams, he took them to a Super Bowl. Of course, they didn't win it, but he took them there. He was signed to a big contract after that, and then a year and a half later, they moved on from him, traded him to Detroit. So now, this is a, this is a big-time irony here. Which quarterback is going to um, prevail against this former team? As we know, the Detroit Lions are now back to respectability thanks to head coach Dan Campbell. Now, does it does it end for them here or will they move on? As for the Rams, the Rams had an up and down season, but they finally got it together and now they're poised to make a little bit of a run. 
I think this game's going to come down to matchups. Can the Detroit secondary deal with Cooper Cup and Puka Nakata? And of course, Karrion Williams, their running back, he's had a big year. So the question is, does the Detroit Lions defense have enough? Can um, Aiden Hutchinson get to Matthew Stafford? Can they force Matthew Stafford into mistakes? On the other side, the Ram, the, um, the defense for the Rams, they're pretty young. Outside of Aaron Donald, they're pretty, I mean, they're pretty suspect. So the question is, can Jarrett Goff make plays in the passing game? We all know Jarrett Goff is, I mean, he's good for at least a turnover or two a game. So I was, it's going to be interesting to see if Amon Rossate Brown, Josh Reynolds, and company is able to um, make some plays in the passing game against this um, Rams secondary. But of course, I think a balanced attack would do the Chargers, I mean the, the Lions, well. Montgomery and Jamar Gibbs are going to have to um, balance it out. So don't put the, to make sure they don't put the whole game on Jared Goff. Of course, the bad news for the um, for the for the um, the Ryan's is their um, sensational rookie tight end Sam Laporta. Of course, he got an he had he has a knee injury, and he's questionable. So it's not known whether he's going to play or not. But if he can play, this will be a big boost to this offense. Because because as I stated, the way they're going to beat the Rams is balance. I think this is, like I say, I believe this is going to be the best um, game of the playoffs, of the wild card weekend, and I believe there's going to be a lot of points in this one. I think because of the experience, I think I'm going to have to go with the Rams to pull this one out at the very end. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the Rams to go into um, Detroit and beat the um, Lions 30 to 27. And final game of Wild Card Weekend is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are limping in this into this um, um, playoffs um, game. They've lost two in a row. They've lost five out of the last six games to close out the season. And the bad news is they may be, they may or may not, they may be without AJ Brown. AJ Brown has a knee injury. And who's to say whether he's gonna play or not? If he's not playing, they're not winning. Tampa Bay is coming into the play. They won the um NFC South on on the on the, on the last game of the season. If they lose on Monday night. And here's the thing. This, this, this is not the first time these two teams have played during the regular season. They played back in week three, and the Eagles won the matchup 25 to 11. So they So you know, Tampa Bay seems to look a little bit better since that matchup where the Eagles have kind of teetered. I think this is one that Tampa Bay, I think, can win, and I believe will win. The Eagles right now cannot be trusted. I think Baker Mayfield, his goal is his goal is not to lose this game. And he's gonna have to lean on the receiving core of Mike Evans, Chris God, and Chris Godwin, and of course the running game of Rashad White. Because the Eagle, the Eagle secondary can be had, which has been shown this season. Now for the Eagles, 
Jalen Hurts is going to have to be the Jalen Hurts of, I guess, the first part of the season where even though he hasn't been great, he's been able to win games when it counts the most. So, we're going to we're going to need that the Eagles are going to need Jalen Hurts. And I'm sure a lot of Eagles fans will probably uh, um, agree with me if they hear this. The Eagles need to run the ball. Come on, people. You got DeAndre Swift. I mean, this guy can, this guy can run. Every time they've given the ball, he's he's been good for them. If they lose, they're going to they're going to need to um Run the ball more efficiently. Bring some balance. You know, don't put the, don't put this game all on Jalen Hurts. Put some bring some balance to this team. And the only way we're gonna do that is put DeAndre Swift as your as your running back. And like I said, they better hope AJ Brown plays because he's not playing. They're not winning. And then of course another thing is the Devonte um, Smith. He's he's hurt too. But there's a good chance he's going to play. No question there. But I hope A.J. Brown plays. I believe the Tampa Bay is going to get revenge here. Because Eagles right now cannot be trusted. So I believe the Eagles go home in the first, in, after this one. I look for Tampa Bay to win this game. I'm going to say 23-16. So, if all my predictions are correct, here's what I think you're going to see as far as the um, divisional rounds. I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see. If I'm, uh, let me make sure I get this right. But if I don't, I'll correct. I'll correct myself. You know, on Tuesday. I'm pretty. I, I said I got the. I got the Browns winning. I believe they play Baltimore. And then if the Chiefs, and if the Chiefs win, which I believe that they will, they're gonna be they're gonna play playing Buffalo. I think that's right. And in the NFC, if my predictions are correct, the Cowboys will be playing the, the, the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Rams will be playing my San Francisco 49ers. Again, I believe I got that right, but if I'm wrong, I'll correct it. On Tuesday's uh, um, recap. And now this will conclude episode 206 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your gracious and humble host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for downloading and listening. I appreciate it very much. You can follow this podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you stream your podcasts, wherever podcasts are available. You can follow me on Twitter at ggsports13, I mean X, at ggsports13. And follow my Facebook page, Sports Takes Galore with Gabe. I'd like to thank everyone for listening, downloading. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the games. And I'll talk to you again on Tuesday. Bye-bye.